Good morning, church. It's always a blessing for us to be together. Uh, and as others have mentioned, it's, it's especially good this week after camp when so many of us were able to spend almost the whole week together, encountering God, uh, spending time together. Uh, and you know, it's, it's different when you're able to do that. Uh, it is, it's a relationship, a fellowship that, that's able to go deeper and you're able to experience some things together that sometimes, you know, exhaustion can get in the way at camp, and things happening that you don't plan can get in the way at camp. But one of the things that can't get in the way uh, of, of anything, right, is God's presence and Holy Spirit breaking through all the things that we're sometimes worried about or thinking about or pulled away from. And the same thing is true for those of us who don't get to go to camp. We've got a lot going on in our lives in any given week that can make it hard for us to pay the kind of attention that we want to pay the presence of God in our lives. And that's why we come here. We come to this place to be reminded of who we really want to be and where we're trying to go and the kinds of community that we want to build every, every place that we go. And it's, it's that sense of things uh, that, that I want us to focus on in the next two weeks. What kind of people do we want to be? Well, we could come up with all kinds of different values or things we're trying to accomplish. But at its its most basic, when we think about who God is calling us to be, God isn't just calling us to some kind of character development, though he is. God is calling us to someone. And I, I think often in my life, I only think of the fact that God might be calling me closer to to God. And that's absolutely true. But in calling me closer uh, to his heart and to his, his vision of the world and all the people around me, I find myself then realizing that as God calls me closer to himself, he's calling me closer to all of these other people in our world. Did you notice when, when Eric was praying, he said, thank you for the church and thank you for the world. I think too often in my life, it feels like the world's getting in the way of what I want the church to, to be and to do. But the truth is, the only reason the church exists is for the sake of the world. That we don't exist for our own sake. And that is a challenge that, that for me, it, it doesn't matter how many times I encounter that truth in my life, I need to be reminded of it because I often fall into a place of thinking that this is all about me, that my life's all about me, that my experience at church is all about me, that, that everything is about how it impacts me, how it shapes me. And what, what God is calling us to understand is that we're here for a purpose, that we're here for a reason, that we are sent. And it is not always easy for me to hold on to that. And I know that I can't be the only person who sometimes forgets it. And so for these next two Sundays especially, I want us to think about what does it mean for us to be sent? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for this time we have to be together. We thank you for for calling us together in the name of your son. And God, as I think about who who you allow us to be through your love and through your grace. God, I pray that you would give us a deeper sense of what 
we're capable of only in you and through you and because of you. God, I, I pray that you would open up the eyes of our hearts this morning to be honest, to be vulnerable, to trust you more, to, to trust you in deeper ways than we ever have before, and to listen as carefully as we possibly can. And God, I pray that through the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, you would allow each one of us to hear exactly what you need us to hear and help us to respond. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So in the midst of Jesus' life and ministry, he, he immediately starts to call people to follow him, people to learn from him, people to be his disciples. And it, it's not just that there's some sort of gathered audience for Jesus. It's not only that he wants them to, to learn from him by watching, he also wants to invite them into what he's doing. He, he wants to give them a sense that while he could carry out his, his mission without anyone else helping him, he wants their help. Because somehow in being caught up in the mission of saving the world, Jesus understands that they're going to experience their own journey of salvation in better and deeper ways. That in, in loving the world, that they're going to experience God's love for them in ways that maybe they've never experienced before. And so he, he invites them into what he's trying to accomplish, into what he knows and believes God will eventually accomplish because God's promised and God keeps his promises and so at various places throughout his ministry, he opens up these, these doors, these moments, these opportunities for his followers, his disciples, to get to have a taste of what it's like to do what he does in the lives of the people around them. And in Luke chapter 10, we find Jesus inviting his, his disciples on just that kind of mission. And so I want us to read that together now. Luke 10, starting in verse 1. The Lord commissioned 72 others and sent them on ahead in pairs to every city and place he was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for his harvest. Go. Be warned, though, that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Carry no wallet, no bag, no sandals. Don't even greet anyone along the way. Whenever you enter a house, first say, may peace be to this house. If anyone there shares God's peace, then your peace will rest on that person. If not, your blessing will return to you. Remain in this house, eating and drinking whatever they set before you, for workers deserve their pay. Don't move from house to house. Whenever you enter a city and its people welcome you, eat what they set before you. Heal the sick who are there and say to them, God's kingdom has come to you. Whenever you enter a city and the people don't welcome you, go out into the streets and say, as a complaint against you, we brush off the dust of your city that has collected on our feet. But know this, God's kingdom has come to you. Now, I know there's a lot going on in this text and not all of it seems to make sense at first. Uh, so I want to give us kind of a framework, a lens that we can kind of view these 11 verses that we've just read together, that we can, we can see what Jesus is doing. So if you're just trying to think through, okay, what's the, what's the bottom line of what he's saying here? 
It's that everyday disciples of Jesus do two things, at least in, in what he's talking about in this moment, right? They stay on the move and they serve the mission. That's, that's what they do. Now, I want us to unpack a little bit this idea that they stay on the move, right? They're, they're constantly moving from city to city. When they get to a new city, they, they go to a house, they, they see if there are people of peace, and we'll come back to that in a moment. If there are people of peace, they stay in that house, they, they carry on the healing ministry of Jesus, and they, they declare to people who can see the visible evidence that, that people's lives are being made better, when people notice that, they say to them, that's the kingdom of God breaking into your life. That's what that is. We're not taking credit for it. We're just people who are carriers of the message, and it's through us that these things are being done, but it's really, it's God's kingdom that's breaking in. And he, he goes as far as to say, okay, and there's going to be some places you go where you're not welcomed, and it's really not your job to pronounce a bunch of, of angry judgment or throw a bunch of harsh, harsh words at them. You just tell them, fine, if you don't want us here, we're leaving. We're even going to leave the dust that's kind of you know, stuck to our shoes. We're just going to leave everything here. But you still need to know that God's kingdom, it's reaching out for you. Now, on the move, serving the mission. One of the things that I think we, we tend to struggle with is the fact that throughout his ministry, and as he calls his followers into that ministry, one of the things that Jesus is consistent with is that we should travel through this world and we should travel through it without holding closely onto the things, the material things, that a lot of people think make life worth living. That we should, in other words, travel light. That's hard because for the most part, we would like to move in and settle down. And anybody in this room can testify, if you, the longer you live in a house before your next move, the more you don't understand how the old you held on to all that stuff. anybody, especially, I talk to people often who've lived in a house, you know, 35, 40 years. And they think, I don't know why I kept, I started going through things that I thought was going to be important and I haven't looked at it in over 20 years. Now that's something we do in a very specific, narrow area of our lives, but Jesus knows it's something we're tempted to do in just about every area of our life. To move in, to settle down and to try to kind of figure out, okay, this is my space, this is my stuff, I don't want you to encroach, I don't want you to infringe, I don't want you to, to put any of that stuff in jeopardy, let me have my space and my stuff, I'll respect your space and your stuff, and that'll be the end of it. The problem is people who have moved in and settled down are not traveling lightly through this world, we're, we're not able to, because we've got too many things that we care too much about that we would have to sacrifice in order to stay on the move. And all of us have had times where we thought that something that, we, that was new, that we were able to get our hands on, whether it's an actual object, 
like a house or a car or whatever, or if it's a a promotion at work or whatever it is that we think, okay, this is what I've always wanted to get my hands on, there are many times we don't realize that the very thing we've been longing for is going to become a kind of prison. It's It's gonna nail us down. And the only thing that Jesus ever allowed himself to be nailed to was a cross. You and I, we often make the mistake of being nailed down to all kinds of other things that have nothing to do with the cross. And Jesus says, look, there's a whole world out there. The harvest is so big you can't even imagine it. But there aren't enough workers to go out into the field because they're on the edge of the field and they've moved in and they've settled, they've settled down and they're not, they're not going. That's hard to wrestle with. Okay, what does it mean for me as somebody who likes routine and likes for things to be predictable and doesn't like to be pushed out of that routine? What does it mean for me to start to move through this world in such a way where I have space, I have margin, I, I have built into my schedule, I have built into my budget, I have built into my expectations the ability to be open to go wherever God might be asking me to go on this day, that when I woke up, I didn't know that opportunity was gonna be there, but then it, the, the door opens up and I realize I have a choice to walk through it and I have the ability to walk through it. What is it that you and I hold on to so tightly that it means we, we don't have that freedom to move through the world and to move closer to people the way God longs for us to. I can't answer that for anybody else. I'm struggling to answer it for myself. But all of us have to wrestle with it, okay? Then when it comes to serve the mission, you know, you're not aimlessly staying on the move. You're not just being busy to be busy. You're not just closing the gap between you and somebody else relationally just to do it. You're doing it because you want them, you love them enough, you care about them enough, you want them to encounter Jesus through you. Not just hear about Jesus from your words, you want them to encounter the risen Lord through you. And what, what Jesus is making clear here is that means sharing life with people. You know when he says, okay, you're going to go, I'm sending you out. And I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That's a warning, right? That you're going to go out into a world that you're trying to reach for the sake of the gospel, and not everybody wants to hear it. Not everybody's ready for it. So not everybody is going to be somebody that you can trust. But there are people you can trust. And I'm convinced, he says, and you're not very good at figuring that out on your own. You think you know who you can trust, then they may actually be wolves in sheep's clothing. And then you think you figured out who's dangerous, and they're not dangerous at all. They're people of peace. So he says, first of all, I want you to go, right after he says, I'm sending you out to the world like lambs among wolves. Don't take anything to take care of yourself. Don't take a wallet, don't take a bag, don't take sandals. And you're in a hurry. So don't stop and say hi to the people that you already know and you're already comfortable with. Just keep going. And then you're going to get to a house and you're going to need to trust that in a world like ours where any bad thing could happen at any moment, that it's just as true that any amazing thing could happen at any moment. And you're going to round a corner and you're going to meet somebody and you're going to encounter the peace of God in them. 
and you can't predict it. You think you can, but you can't. So when you come to somebody, you say, peace to you, and then you'll know. You'll know in how you treat that person and how they receive you back that you've encountered a person of peace. What's a person of peace? Well, there's all kinds of commentaries that are written about this, and you can disagree with me if you'd like, but here's, here's how I think about it. A person of peace is somebody whose life is pleasing to God, but they don't yet have the kind of relationship with God that they were built for. Right? It's somebody who is, is doing good things in the world, things that please God's heart, but they may not understand why they're even doing it. Right? It's somebody who's open to God, even though they don't know that's exactly what they're open to. And Jesus says, those people are all over the place, and you can trust that they're all over the place, but you've got to seek them out. You've got to find the people in our world. Not everybody's ready to hear the gospel. There's people who are starving for it, and they just don't know it. Look for those people. Look for kind, thoughtful, patient people who don't yet go to a church anywhere. Look for somebody who's, who's finding a way to help the most vulnerable, whether they have a, uh, any sort of faith commitment or not. Those are the people that you start with because they long for God's peace. They want to be a part of God's peace. They just need somebody to help them understand that's what it is. Too often, brothers and sisters, I think I'm so good at figuring people out, I can, I can decide ahead of time whether or not you're worth my time. Jesus says, you know what? You're not that smart, Jared. And you're definitely not that good. So just move through your day. Move through your life. Don't hold on so tightly to the things that you think you want and you need. Be open. Rely on the truth that there are other good people out there that you're going to find. But you're not going to find any of them if you're not looking. Go to them. Speak God's peace to them. And if your, your words of blessing find a home in their heart, then you know you've got a place to start. right? And then share life. Don't rush off to a bunch of other people. Don't ever treat people who we're trying to share our faith with like they're stats that we're going to brag about someday. They're people. Right? That's what it, don't go from house to house. Don't go to someone's house and you figure out they've served you the best thing they could serve you that week and you'd like another really fancy meal at someone else's house so you move from that house to another house. Don't treat people like that. If somebody is going to receive you into their life, stay a little while. Share life with them. Be present to them. And you'll find that the kingdom of God is suddenly affecting their lives in ways that are beyond any of our ability to make happen on our own. Stay on the move and serve the mission. You know, so often I think you and I can get caught up in the question of what is the purpose of my life? I already know the purpose of your life. It's to do this. Now, I don't know the exact shape it's going to take. I don't know the exact moment in front of you, opportunity in front of you that God's opening up. All I know is you and I are supposed to stay on the move and serve the mission. It, it, it's this, right? It's the, the mission of God is not just like a part of our lives. The mission of God is the, the real purpose of our lives. 
We've got so many other things demanding our attention. We've got so many other things calling for our effort and our energy. And possibly we've got so many other things that we're tempted to believe are somehow going to be what really unlocks that future that we want more than any other kind of future. And what we need to remember is we may be people who even though we're, we're living lives of faith, we have forgotten what we truly long for more than anything else. It's to be a part of what God is doing in this world. That's when you and I feel the most alive, brothers and sisters. I promise you, we feel the most alive when we suddenly start to do the things in our life and the lives of other people that Jesus, Jesus alone allows us to do. Right? The mission of God is not just a part of who we are, what we're doing. It is the true purpose of why you're here. And we have to work really carefully and diligently to hold on to that truth at the core of our being and not be pulled away from it to think that, that the whole purpose of my life is to make me get all the things I want and to experience all the goodness that I've, I, yeah, I've decided I need to have and that it doesn't really matter what it costs anybody else in my life. I'm here for me. I know. You can't be the reason for your own life. I mean, I know the world tells you that, but it just, it's like a constant circle that you can't break out of. We're going somewhere. We're not stuck in some circle. We're going somewhere. We're becoming more and more the people Jesus promises us we can be. But if that's going to be the case, you and I have to, we have to recommit ourselves time and again to say, this is what I'm here for. This is who I want to be. Help me. Help me see the people of peace around me. Help me find a way to share life with them. Help me find the courage to not just describe Jesus, but to actually help them encounter Jesus through me. I guess what I'm really trying to say when it's all said and done is that it takes real focus to live with the real sense that we are sent people. I want to tell you two stories And in both of these stories, I want to make it really clear that I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm kind of in the story, but I'm, I'm just holding the camera, okay? I want you to pay more attention to the other person in the story. So, <clears throat> one of my least favorite things, I don't think I've ever told the church this, Uh, but I'm going to tell you this. One of my least favorite things is a stranger asking me what I do for a living. And I will often try to kind of lie a little bit. Right? Like I'll tell them the truth, but I don't tell the whole truth, the nothing but the truth kind of thing. So because I teach at ACU, my first version of that answer is, well, I'm a teacher. And then they always ask me, well, what do you teach? Well, I teach the Bible. Oh. And that usually gets me to the same exact place. I used to all the time, you know, when I was first in ministry, if someone would ask me that question, when I was young and I didn't know that always led to some sort of theological argument they've actually been having with an extended family member that they'd like me to settle while I'm trying to get my hair cut. <laughs> right? I, I always, one way or another, get to where 
once they find out I'm a minister, everything changes in the interaction. Not always for the better. Right? It just depends on how they're feeling about God, how they're feeling about the church, uh, whether or not they consider themselves to be a church person or a person of faith. As soon as they ask me, well, what do you do? I, without fail, really, back to getting a haircut, they never ask me before they tell me what kind of wild weekend they had. They always tell me what kind of wild weekend they had. Then they ask me, what do you do? And I know we're not going to talk from that moment on. It's going to be frosty, you know. There's not going to be any follow-up questions. And who knows what kind of haircut I'm going to end up getting at that point. So I'm usually pretty careful about disclosing what I do. I, the worst place to be asked that is at the front end of like a four-hour flight next to somebody I don't know, which has happened. But a couple weeks ago, we were at a family fun night here, and we were kind of at a location where we were all having a park on this country road, and uh, we had a lot of people there. We had more than enough people for that spot, so it was kind of like tight parking. And I'm standing around, because even though Stephen Corbett photoshopped me on a kayak, at the actual event, I didn't do that. So... That was all imaginary. So I was standing firmly on the sand. And I saw a person come in, and uh, he, he looked unhappy. And I knew, I, I knew I didn't recognize him, but I didn't know. You know, we've all been inviting people to, you know, bring a friend. And so I thought, well, I don't know. So he's looking around, and I make eye contact with him. And he walks over to me, and he says, are you in charge of this thing? And every time an angry person says that to me, you know, I'm, I'm like 10 years old and not, I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm about to get beat up. <laughs> and I, I thought, well, Holly's kind of in charge of this thing. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she could take him. No. <laughs> I said, well, I, I, I'm one of the people who are in charge of this. Are you really? I said, yeah, I'm, yes, I think I can help you. So he starts walking me out to this country road where we're all parked, and he is angry. And he says, now I want you to know this is me being nice. And I said, well, you're not real good at it. <laughs> and <clears throat> then he proceeds to cuss me out. You know, not PG-13 words, rated R words. And it, I start to figure out in, in between the cuss words because he says I blankety blank texted you and I blankety blank called you. And I start to realize he thinks I own the, the company of the place we are and that they don't, they're not getting along. So I said to him, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you think that I own this? And... He said, yeah, you said you were in charge. And I said, no, I'm in charge of a church group that's rented this place for the night. And the blood drains out of his face. <laughs> and he says, are, uh, are you a minister? <laughs> and for the first time in my life, I really enjoyed saying what I said next. <laughs> <laughs> 
I said, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm the preacher. And he started apologizing all over himself. We had, one of us had accidentally literally parked in his, he couldn't get out of his house. That's what he's mad about. And he's like, you could just leave it. It doesn't matter. I don't. And I'm thinking, does he think right now I'm saying a mental prayer, asking God to strike him dead? Like, that's how he was, like, I have some sort of in on. Now, here's the thing that started to happen after we got through the awkward. I mean, we both, it was, it was painfully awkward. But then as I said, now, wait a minute, what? I figured out we had blocked his driveway. And I said, no, we, I'm sorry we did that. We'll go move the car. And we had a little time to talk on the way back. And he just started telling me what a hard time he'd been having. And he, he was sorry. And he, he asked me which church I preached at. And I said, you should come. You're going to star in a sermon recently. No, I'm kidding. I, by the time we moved the car, I went back out and waved at him, and he waved back at me, and he said, I'm so, I'm so glad that we got to meet. I'm so glad your church is doing that. And it was just a reminder to me, right? It's like, I, again, anytime somebody says to me, what do you do? Well, I'm a teacher. <laughs> well, what do you teach? Okay, you got me. I teach Bible. I love God. What, what are your problems with God? Lay them on me, right? No matter what, it's who I am. I can't change who I am. And one of the things that's interesting about that moment is it was precisely because I was a minister and that I, had, I got an opportunity, I guess, to, to tell him that. It changed everything. Because even though he was angry, somewhere deep inside, he was a person of peace. I, you wouldn't have seen that. You wouldn't have guessed it. I sure wouldn't have guessed it. He cares enough about God. He cares enough about church that somehow, just that moment of realizing what was happening, it helped him be a different kind of person in how he was talking to me. And it helped me think differently about him than I had just a few moments earlier. Okay, last night, uh, one of our, our daughters needed some medicine, and it was after hours. And so uh, I drive up to the, the pharmacy at Market Street. Uh, and, you know, it's, so it's, it's after hours. And, you know, so the people who are going to that obviously are not having the best days of their lives. And I'm behind a truck for a while, and I, I pull up, and... I give all my information to the person, and at one point in all of that, I didn't fully understand kind of how my insurance was supposed to work with it and all of that. So, you know, it's, it's like the, the thick glass there and the little drawer thing that you're doing back and forth, and he's trying to figure something out on the computer, and I can tell he's having a hard time, so I wave at him, you know, on the other side of the glass, and he goes, What? And I said, hey, I'm just not sure that my insurance, that's what I'm putting in here. Can't you just wait for one minute? And I thought, oh. You know, and I look around. I think no one in church is ever going to find out what I say back. <laughs> no, I realized, right? I felt like when I drove up to that, that window, I was the one who was having a not very pleasant evening at the moment. And I realized this guy's had a bad day. 
and this doesn't normally happen to me, but I realized what kind of moment I was in, and I said, it's been a tough one, huh? And tears filled his eyes. And he said, you have no idea. And I said, well, man, I'm sorry. And we talked through the remainder of the transaction, and he just talked about what had gone on, and he said, what do you do? <laughs> and I didn't say I'm a teacher. I said I'm a minister. And he said, oh, makes sense. And I thought it didn't have to make sense. If you'd caught me at the wrong moment on the wrong day. Jesus wants us to be people who realize why we're here and I don't mean why we're here existentially, though. I mean that too. I mean why we're in a drive-through window at a pharmacy. Or why we're talking to somebody who's frustrated because their, their driveway got blocked. All of those moments are, are easy times for us to forget why we're there. Why we're in that moment. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if we can just live with a better daily moment-to-moment -moment realization that we're here so that they will, after interacting with us, have an openness to Jesus and to God or just an openness to the sense that this world is filled with good people. It's not only filled with people who, who make things hard or we can't trust. There's also all kinds of people in every direction People of peace, we're supposed to be those kinds of folks. Whether somebody understands why it feels different to them or, or whether we understand why a conversation suddenly takes a turn for the better, I'm telling you, if, if we can find a way to live with that awareness, if we can be awake in our own lives to realize, we're not here, I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. And you're not here for you. You're here for them. I'm telling you, if we would move through our lives that way, Jesus will find a way to save more people because of you. And isn't that what you're here for? Mark Rogers would have been 41 today. I should say he is turning 41 today. I just wish he was turning 41 here. I'm convinced Mark lived with that sense of mission. And the best way we honor people like that is not only to tell stories and to honor moments, but to take from their lives the things that remind us of Jesus and live that way too. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, what I want to encourage you this week Every single day this week, I want to ask you before you leave your house, I want you to say a simple prayer. Jesus, open my eyes to show me who you're sending me to. Will you do that? Just every day, right when you're getting ready to leave your house. Jesus, open my eyes to help me see who you're sending me to. And when you get there, love them the way you want to be loved. Treat them the way you want to be treated and see what God does with that obedience. Would you stand with me and sing?